Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. Still a ton to get to this hour. Uh, we, we do got to get to the Metcalf Jim Schwartz thing. We'll get to that in the next segment. It, it is funny, Mike, just looking at the TV here. Mike and I were having a debate like two, three weeks ago about which was the worst contract in the NBA, Russell Westbrook or John Wall. And then they get they, they get traded for each other. So I guess that's pretty even. Uh, no, that's not what the trade was. Okay, yeah, there was a first round pick involved. So, but I don't think I I don't think I was like vehemently arguing with you that John Wall. I think I agreed with you that John yeah, Wall's contract was was a bit worse. But uh, it's just so, it's another victory. It's play. just so funny. Like uh, both teams are like, okay, we, we this is our trash. We'll give you our trash if you give us your trash. Um, so uh, that that that's that. Does it, now, does this make in your mind a Simmons for James Harden deal more likely or less likely? Um, unchanged. Likely, I unchanged. Think. I think. Okay. Um. Well, I'm thinking maybe John Wall wouldn't play. Maybe John Wall could play off ball more. I don't know. John Wall can't shoot though. Yeah. Oh man, what a man, what a bad trade for both teams. Like people saying this is going to get Washington in the playoffs. No, it's not. <laughs> Washington's not making the playoffs. I could see though Westbrook averaging like a 15, 15, 15 triple double and they lose every game like 140 to 120. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what'll happen. Well, this, this could actually be good for teams that want Bradley Beal. Cause now uh, Bradley Beal is going to play 10 games with Westbrook. Be like, get me the hell out of here. Nobody likes playing with Russell Westbrook. Nobody. Well, James Harden yeah. begged for him. And by the way, no, no, uh, national TV games for the Sixers early in the year. That's, that's a little surprising to me. They released the schedule for like, uh, the first three g- days of the season. Um, no Sixers national TV games, no Christmas Day. The streak is over. Uh, Sixers not playing on Christmas Day this year. Three years, I guess. Uh, it's something like that. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, three years. Nick Celtics play. Bucks. Yeah. Um, the opening night, you got Warriors Nets, which that's obviously a hmm. 
big storyline, the return of, of KD. I love KD, too, saying, I don't know where the James Harden stuff come, came from. I, I I just leave that to the front office. Okay. Um, but that's the first game, and then uh, Clippers-Lakers. And then um, a, a former uh, one of Doc's former players um, kind of ripped him a little bit. We'll, we'll try to get that in before the end of the show, but we still have a lot to get to. Uh, but in a few minutes, uh, we, I brought up Doug, and, you know, a caller brought it up, actually. Uh, the fact that Doug may not be all that upset with getting – you know, let go. We'll talk about his job status and the play calling issue, um, which we started discussing as well. Uh, we'll get to that in a couple minutes. First, let's talk to Matt and Hamilton. What's up, Matt? What's up, Tom? What's going right. on, man? Thanks for hanging. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I just, you said uh, something about Jalen Rager and how how he, you were talking about maybe how he overthought it in passing on Jefferson. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's exactly okay. what I think. Well, happened. that brings me to my point is that you know, you look at Andy Reid, and for all the fact that he didn't win a Super Bowl, he helped build, develop, and sustain a winning culture. Don't don't you agree with that? Uh, and, did did how did how no, he did that? Andy Andy oh. Reid. Oh yeah, yeah, no no doubt. And Andy Andy built a built a yeah, winning culture. Yeah, and that's why we almost rooted for him in the Super. I mean, a lot of people, not we. I can't speak for everybody, but a lot of people were rooting for him in the Super Bowl. I'm oh, I rooted for him big time. I've, I've won some money on that game, too, betting on him. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, all, all I'm saying is is that we, we're overthinking. We overthought. I think now that we're looking back on it, I think he, he wanted Howie and bringing in Doug, a former quarterback for the Eagles. It's all about looking smarter than actually being smart. And he overthought Carson Wentz. And we, we surprised everybody in the beginning. But it's like it's like it's. I'll get all of it. We surprised everybody in the beginning, but eventually the league caught up to us. And I think I think they figured Carson Wentz out. I think they figured Doug out. And I don't think Howie's making enough good picks to to help fix piece help fix it together. So it's not totally on Howie, but I just think the league's caught up with us. And I don't think I think they really figured the kid out. And I think they figured the coach out. And I didn't really have too many points, but I mean. Uh, do you kind of agree with that, or I don't know? Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't really agree totally, Matt, because I don't like. I don't think Doug forgot how to coach overnight. Yeah. Like, like yeah. he was a good coach for four seasons, and yeah, there there have been issues. So and, you're blaming him more on the fact that Carson is not what is not. It's not as good as as, as good as we thought, or something like that. I think Carson is the biggest problem with this offense right now, and okay. I think I think that is is pretty clear. Um, Doug could do things better. The line could be better. The receivers could be better. But even when yeah. plays are working, the quarterback okay. isn't making them. And I do think that is the the biggest issue right now. Okay, because you know, I mean, we both. I'm not the biggest X's and O's guy. I didn't play high school football. I played other sports. I played basketball, whatever. But I mean, I, I watched the games, and you're right. Carson does not. Look, I mean, I listened to the Brian Baldinger cut, and he's just like he's like I'm done. You know, he's like you know, that's how I feel. It's like I'm done. I, I can't. Like I'm getting. I don't even want to. I know we're going to be playing the Cowboys to see who loses, and that's. It's. I, I don't remember the last time we had a game like that. So. Right. Anyway, it just feels like it's. I remember when Waterworld came out, and it was one of the most hyped up movies, and because it had the big stars and or the Irishman or whatever, and it's like a letdown. And we have the Super Bowl, but since then we've been. It's a good beginning and good advertising, but we have a Super Bowl. But since then. This regime is not is not bringing developing, sustaining. I just I'm 
I've got. I'm ready to move on. From, you, you, I hope. I hope they move on. That's all. I'm saying. So you didn't. You didn't like the Irishman. Man? I, I thought. Not I thought like it was. The Irishman. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. It was a little, little lengthy. It was a little long. Yeah, yeah. but it, it wasn't. I thought just. I don't know. I thought the guys were getting. I mean, I like some of the actors in other right. movies, but it was a little, little past their time, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, well, it, it definitely was. Well, I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks, man. All right, thanks, Thanks, thanks for the shout-out, by the way. Of course, man. Good good hearing from you. You're one of our regulars. Uh, but, yeah, the Irishman, the, 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 the weird thing they did to try to make De Niro look younger was, that was weird looking. Uh, it was just an odd. Did you see The Irishman, Mike? Have you, you watched that? No. I was watching The Irishman a year ago exactly like at this time because if you remember this was the day that i broke my promise um when i said i wasn't going to come back from miami i i had gotten back uh late this night on december 3rd remember i was supposed to work this shift and i had to i'd call out because my flight was delayed if they lose in miami i may not come back i may just stay there forever okay well I, i may not return so this could be the last you hear from me because I might just not if, – if the Eagles lose that game, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back. Um, I might just stay down in Florida for the rest of my life. Well, there – I didn't realize I said may and might, so I never really did promise that I would not come back. But then your first shift back, you failed to show up. I did. Uh, my flight was delayed. I Thank you again to, to, to Rob Ellis for, for filling in that night. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, but it was a better show. Yeah. And, and I, but this was right because I'm, I had watched like the first hour of the Irishman before my trip. And then I, I watched the next couple hours throughout the course of the week, long movie, but I thought I was, it was pretty good. Well, you're talking about it. I thought it was a show. It see, it should have been like a mini series. It should have been like a four episode mini series because okay. it was so long. It was like four hours long, but I enjoyed it. It was a, a four lot of hour did. movie. It was. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was very long. Um, and a lot of there, a lot you know, a lot of people didn't like it, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, so that's that's our Irishman breakdown a year after the fact. So uh, really timely. That's our Irishman. Yeah, breakdown. our Irishman breakdown a year after the movie was released. Uh, so if you haven't seen it yet, I'd encourage you to watch. I I enjoyed it. Uh, two, so it came out just in time for quarantine then. A few months before. I mean, yeah. we weren't quarantined until March. I mean, this is December, early December, Mike. You know. I don't know. Came out in time. Memory's a little hazy there. <laughs> it's COVID nineteen, isn't it? It's it not is. COVID twenty. Yeah. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, and you know, we we look at the the play calling aspect of this, and what is the root cause of the Eagles' offensive issues, and you know. A lot, many people do seem to, to think it's Doug, and I do think there are some things that Doug could do better. That being said, I mean, I don't understand this call for Doug to give up play calling. It, it That part of it, I don't... Who do you want calling plays? I mean, I, I'd be curious to see what Deuce could do. If, if it was going to be Deuce, okay, I'd be alright with it, but I mean, I don't want to take play calling away from Doug. I have more confidence in Doug than anybody else to get it right, honestly. I, I just I don't know how anyone can watch the Eagles this season and go, you know, it's a play calling issue, not a play execution issue. I know. Like, there are plays to be made. Like, not not all the time, but a lot of times. We just played the baldy breakdowns for you. There are plays to be made. And again, if you don't trust me, and I get it if you don't trust me, um, you know, I'm just a guy talking on the radio. I'm not a football analyst. 
Go look at Brian Boldinger's Twitter account. It, it's it's a, it's stunning. It is stunning the things that you will see and the things that Carson Wentz is doing. It's really, really bad football. Um, but the call for Doug to give up play calling, I don't really get, but apparently this is something that is being considered. Here is Doug um, on the possibility of giving up that aspect of his job. I take pride in play calling and, and – uh... You know, I look at everything. I got to take everything into consideration. And, and if I feel like uh, I feel like I'm, if I get stuck in a rut, I, I definitely would would uh, consider you know um, you know giving that up. So that's that's it's definitely on the table. I wouldn't say that's off the table, but uh, that's also part of sparking the offense and, and maybe maybe seeing the offense through uh, somebody else's eyes. And, you know, if they think it's something that could help, I mean, I guess I, I, I'm all for it. I just don't think it would solve anything. And, you know, uh, as frustrating as it is, for all the people who want Deuce to call plays, I don't think it would be Deuce. I think it would be Press Taylor. And Press Taylor, Press Taylor is like George Costanza. He just keeps failing upwards. Like, the more this guy does, the worse Carson Wentz in the offense gets but the more they seem to like him, I guess, because Carson likes him. And that goes back to our greater point, which what we started the show as is the Eagles have become a soft organization that is just so enamored with pleasing people, whether it be Peters or Jeffrey or Carson Wentz, that they don't want to do anything to upset people. So they give Carson Wentz, who likes Press Taylor, didn't like Mike Groh, all this increased responsibility. And what is has Press Taylor shown anything that he's good at his job? Is there any evidence that Press Taylor is good at his job. Philly Specials. That's something. He had an input on that, right? He designed it. Okay. But, you know, Doug called it in the big moment of the game. Like Some I'll, say Foles did. Right. Well, yeah, hey, I can, I can get, get down with that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I don't think play calling would really solve anything. And the interesting about the play calling stuff is once you get once an offensive coach debates giving up play calling, it's usually not a good sign for their job. Like, a coach usually doesn't give up play calling and end up being long for that job. Andy. When, when did Andy give it up? Kansas City. Yeah, but Andy, uh, Andy, I don't believe Andy has really ever fully given up play calling. Like, uh, you know... He, he like like the thing with Doug, where Doug would call plays sometimes. That was still such a clumsy answer. Yeah, that was, he was trying to do yeah. a job. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I still think Andy has a big say in the play calling that the Chiefs are doing. Um, but you know, in general, I don't think it speaks well most of the time with a coach and his job. And obviously, Doug is in jeopardy here because you probably can't move on from Wentz. Um, Howie Roseman, you know, whether he would get fired is difficult to know because Jeff Lurie loves him so much. Uh, but Doug's job could be in some jeopardy here. Here's Doug on whether he's been told that his job is safe. Um, I haven't been reassured one way or the other now. And that's pretty, pretty simple. Um, you know, I guess that could mean that Jeffrey Lurie doesn't think it's necessary to tell Doug that his job is safe at this point. Uh, a little weird. He said one way or the other, right? Like, why would he, wouldn't be assured that your job's unsafe. Right. Um, here's more. Here is whether Doug is is worried about his job. You know, listen, I, I, I've been around this league a long time, 25 years, I believe, uh, as a player and a coach. And, and um, you know, we're always based on and, and we're evaluated on our performance. And, 
uh, right now. Uh, that's obviously not my uh, not my concern as far as that decision goes. That's 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 out of my hands. But what's in my hands and in my control is is getting the team prepared and ready uh, for uh, you know for Green Bay uh, this weekend. So. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going there uh, mentally. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing again this week, getting back on the grass tomorrow with the players, and uh, and getting ready for Green Bay. Now, Doug doesn't sound too concerned, and I don't think he is. Like, um, because as much as we, you know, want want to want to hold Doug accountable for all the offense's issues. But I think part of the reason Doug's not worried is if Doug gets fired, he's going to get another job. He's going to get another job this offseason. And there are quality jobs available this offseason for an offensive head coach. Um, you look, you're going to have some serious options. The Jets with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's the Jets, but, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is is a generational-type quarterback. He's that good. Just watching that Clemson game on Saturday, guy hadn't played in a month, and he just carved up pit in a way that was scary um you look at the chargers anthony lynn's gonna get fired um which still what he did at the end of that buffalo game was was amazing um but uh what did he do running the ball with 30 seconds left and no timeouts at the goal line you didn't see that no uh it was bad um but uh, if you had bills minus four and a half not bad no i think uh, i got the colts titans game okay um but uh, you know, Anthony Lynn's going to get fired. Justin Herbert is there. That's obviously a good job. And then Houston with Deshaun Watson. And just so you know, some kind of the feeling of what's out there right now. Um, Mike found this sound. Mike, what is this gentleman's name again? Cody uh, Stutes. Cody Stutes. Cody Stutes. He's, uh, SI as well. Okay. Um, here was Cody Stutes in Houston uh, talking about the possibility of Doug going to coach the Texans. I want to tell you guys about my PP. My Peterson plan. Okay. Doug Peterson should be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. I'm and, in on this. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. It, enough said. He's going to have the best resume. Now, yes. you need some help for Doug Peterson to even be in consideration. You need the Philadelphia Eagles to choose Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson. And that's not unlikely to happen. Now, it may happen a year from now, and you may not get your shot at Doug Peterson. But if it happens this offseason, Doug Peterson has to be the head coach of the Houston Texans because he has done everything he can at this point to try to figure out their franchise quarterback and Carson Wentz is broken Doug Peterson is not the issue in Philadelphia Carson Wentz is so if that franchise wants to pick that quarterback over a Super Bowl winning head coach who made Nick Foles a Super Bowl MVP be my guest because the Texans should be knocking down the door to get Doug Peterson it's not don't even interview anybody else Get Doug Peterson if he becomes available. And by the way, as bad as they looked against Cleveland, you know, you know the folks around the Eagles are restless. They're, they're angry. restless. They're and angry. They're angry and they want something. Well, you can't move on from they the quarterback. Are in first, though. You can't move on from the quarterback, but you can move on from the head coach. The Peterson plan is potentially able to be executed this well, offseason. And you know, that's the view of people in Houston. Like, and I think that's the view of a lot of fans and media members of their teams is they would like Doug Peterson. And, you know, it does go beyond just the Super Bowl. I don't believe this idea 
that Doug has forgotten how to coach overnight. I don't like just think about it in this perspective. What's more likely that Doug Peterson has just forgotten how to coach overnight and forgotten how to call plays overnight after being pretty good at it for four years or that a quarterback who has dealt with a ton of injuries has uh, uh, what I think is pretty clear at this point a bit of a fragile mental um, mental perspective on things if he's so shattered by the fact that they draft a quarterback in the second round if he's so worried about the fact that he has a quality backup that you can't put a quality backup behind him because he'll feel threatened that his play has collapsed due to that what's more likely I think the latter is much more likely than Doug has just forgotten how to coach. Um, and, you know, that's also the perspective of one of the top NFL writers um, in the country. Uh, this was Peter King uh, on WFAN on uh, Wednesday talking about the issues in Philadelphia. Is it more of a Roseman problem with the talent brought in, the drafts, or is it more of a coaching problem with Peterson? I think it's more of a Carson Wentz problem. And, you know, I've, I, I keep hearing people bend over backwards defending Carson Wentz, saying it's this, that, and the other thing. Look, they have a lot of injuries on the offensive line, um, and those are problematic. They'd be problematic for almost any team. But my issue with the, with the Eagles is more that in 2017, when Carson Wentz was uh, on December 1st of seventeen might have been the MVP of the league that season. Uh, you know, he was moving out of the pocket. He was running around, making throws on the run, uh, running when he had to. And that has sort of disappeared. Um, not that he doesn't run out of the pocket, but he almost runs out of the pocket only when forced. And I think there's got to be more recognition that you almost have to design some plays for him that are out of the pocket. And look, um, I would agree with those who would be critical to some degree of Doug Peterson, but I believe that some of the decisions he's made this year about going for it, about going for two, about all these things that worked in 2017 and don't work this year is because he's trying to do something, anything, to jumpstart uh, a moribund offense. Um, and finally, look, this team right now, uh, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks, if you look at the schedule and look at the condition of the rest of this division right now, okay, every team in this division could lose each game the next two weeks. Think about it. So this season is not over for the Eagles. They're a half game out of first place. And even if they lose the next two, which I think they will, Green Bay and New Orleans, even if they lose the next two, I think they're still going to be in the pennant race. That's why, in my opinion, I think they've got to go to Jalen Hurts and they got to go to Hurts soon. And, I, I mean, I guess you it, it's not shocking that I agree. I mean, I do. And I, I think at this point it's pretty clear where the main issues lie. And that's not to say it's the only issue, but Carson Wentz is the primary issue on this offense. And, I mean, there's nothing – to be lost by trying Jalen Hurts and see what would happen. And I almost, I do think you owe it to your organization to see what you have in that player, a player you drafted in the second round. 215 592 
215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, I want to update the DK Metcalf-Jim Schwartz feud uh, because uh, the Eagles DC spoke on uh, Wednesday about everything that went down. And um, I want to get to that because I think it's 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 pretty funny. And um, I, I think we may have been a little too hard on Jim Schwartz initially. So we'll get to that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. Uh, next segment, Sixers training camp has opened. Um, and uh, one of Doc Rivers' former players... Uh, took a little bit of a shot. Uh, not a guy I put much stock in uh, to to what he says. Playoff P is what he has dug, dubbed himself. <laughs> uh, the only problem is he's like the worst playoff player I've ever seen. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's going a little too far, but for a guy of his caliber, yeah. he is terrible in the playoffs. Bledsoe. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, Paul George is, is considered, a, what, a top 10 no, I agree. Well, Yeah, well, well, the guy? way you said it was the right way. Player right. of his caliber. Right. Um. And yeah, and he got, uh, we can get into later, he got fact-checked that he was wrong. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. So we, we'll we'll play what Paul George had to say about um, Doc Rivers from uh, last season with the Clippers. And also, um, Jackie McMullen, who is one of my favorite people to listen to talk basketball. Uh, she, she knows her stuff. She is predicting a big year for a Sixer this year. So we'll get to that in the next segment. But right now, I got to... Um, Update the feud going on that is swept over Philadelphia. And this became a big story after the game. And uh, as I said, uh, we normally don't say this this gentleman's name on the show. But uh, I, I give him credit because he, he helped me out with this the other night. How about that? Jack Fritz helped him produce the overnight show. Um, Maybe he misrepresented it, though. What do you mean? Well, we'll, we'll hear from Schwartz. Okay. Maybe Right. Mike, I guess Mike takes a little bit. You take a little bit of offense to Jack helping out on the show. Well, he's producing your show. He's supposed to be producing my Eagles post game show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but Jack, no, Jack. Uh, he said, "Did you hear what DK said after the game?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "All right, well, I'll DM you this cut." So, um, and then obviously we all heard about. It. I talked about it the other night after the game, but here was DK Metcalf who torched the Eagles for 177 yards on what gave him uh, the inspiration. What gave him the inspiration? We'll get that in a minute here um, as uh, our system seems to have uh, froze up for a second. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, DK Metcalf said that Jim Schwartz came up to him prior to the game. And here is the uh, sound. Um, I'm happy. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little respect. Um, but, you know, I still got work to do. Um, one of the defensive coaches came up to me and it kind of made me mad that he was like, um, you know, I was I was in Detroit with uh, Megatron, but you're not there yet. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm not trying to be Megatron. I'm trying to be me. So, um, you know, I had, had a little uh, chip on my shoulder the whole game. Was that Jim Schwartz? Uh, yes, sir. Now, there's debate about whether DK Metcalf knew who Jim Schwartz was. I think he did. You know, he hesitated there, but I think he knew who Jim Schwartz was. I mean, Jim Schwartz is a pretty, I mean, he's a pretty, you know, well-known figure in the NFL. I, I think DK knew who Jim Schwartz was. Um, but obviously, you see that, and you hear that, and it blew up as Jim Schwartz gave DK Metcalf this motivation as far as, you know, motivating him for this game. But 
as it turns out, that might not necessarily be true. Um, here was Jim Schwartz speaking on Wednesday about how he, um, you know, felt about what he said to DK Metcalf prior to that game. In, in my mind, it's a little bit funny. Anytime you, you even speak somebody's name in, uh, in the same sentence as Calvin Johnson, um, I don't know how you could take offense to that. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I tried to pay the guy a compliment, said I read his story, knew he'd overcome injury, heard he was a hard worker, and uh, said, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Calvin, and uh, congratulated him after the game. Um, you know, and, and, and at the time he told me, hey, thanks, coach. That means a lot to me. So, I mean, if DK Metcalf thanked him, like, I don't think Jim Schwartz is lying about that. I don't. Um, so I think it's kind of hard to fault Jim Schwartz here. Like, I see where Jim Schwartz is coming from. I don't think he intended to slight DK Metcalf before the game. Honestly, I don't have a problem with either guy in this instance. You know, I don't have a problem with Jim Schwartz because I, I think his intentions were to compliment DK Metcalf. And I don't have a problem with DK Metcalf using whatever he needs to use as motivation. Like, uh, I mean... During the pandemic, the greatest source of entertainment when we were without sports was the last dance. And Michael Jordan would use anything, anything he could get his, his, his wrapped around his mind. There's the one story about that guy, some no-name player who like put 37 on him one night or something. And he said, good game, Mike. And Michael Jordan took it as a slate, uh, as a slight, and they played the next night. And Jordan, like, torched him for, like, the same amount in the first half or something like that. So, you know, if that's what gets DK Metcalf... Bradford Smith. Yeah, right. Um, if, if that's what gets DK Metcalf motivated, that's fine. I don't really fault either guy here. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, fine, if he wants to use his motivation. Why, just why did he have to misrepresent it after the game? Who, Metcalf? Yeah, that wasn't yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, yeah that, was, that was a little... You know, I guess I'm fair, but whatever. Jim Schwartz a big boy. I mean, yeah, it, I, in, at the end of the day, no harm. Right. No, no harm, no foul. And, um, you know, DK Metcalf seems like one of these guys who will use this kind of stuff as motivation. And uh, Darius Slay joined Marks and Reese, as he does every Tuesday. Big, big play Slay. Um, and uh, said DK Metcalf told him that Brandon Graham may have motivated him as well. I guess he got a little mad that uh, the fact that you know the team was kind of telling us you know we go you know we coming at y'all today we know we competing today we go whoop y'all you know how guys go before pre sure. so yeah. I guess he took it a little personal I guess you know he told me uh, 55 got you in trouble today so I'm like what I'm like uh, nobody gave me no trouble but I'm like what you mean like you know what I'm saying so DK Metcalf you know seems like one of these guys who uses these kind of things as motivation and honestly I have no problem with it I. I Wish he was an eagle. Um, but speaking of a uh, big play, uh, we got to get the big play here uh, because um, big play slay. And, you know, we have uh, the way we started the show tonight and uh, the way uh, I, I kind of view this organization after taking a step back and what ails the Eagles is that they have become a soft organization that they have become an organization that deviates from what made them so successful from 2000 to 2010 under Andy Reid and Joe Banner. And, you know, the, the point I was kind of making is 
they used to make like cold-hearted decisions. They used to do things that were best for the football team, whether that was letting Hugh Douglas go, whether it was letting Jeremiah Trotter go and not paying them that significant money if it was going to hurt the football team. And now I feel like the Eagles have gotten to the point where they don't like to upset their players, which is why Jason Peters is on the field. It's why Alshon Jeffries on the field taking snaps from Travis Fulgham. It's why Carson Wentz is still playing over Jalen Hurts. But I also see this as a factor in regards to Darius Slay. Because even as DK Metcalf was embarrassing him on Monday Night Football, at no point did they give him any sort of help. And I think part of that stems from the Eagles being hesitant to, I guess, insult Darius Slay, because he's obviously a guy who doesn't feel like he needs that help. Here was Darius Slay uh, when asked about that after the game. Hey, Slay, was there any discussions on the sideline by you or anybody that you know of to possibly get you some more help as Mac- as Metcalf kept uh, having that big game? Hell, no, I don't need no help. What kind of question is that? Next one. <laughs> I do like that answer. I, I like that answer. But... The Eagles better not like be hesitant to give Darius Slay help because they are worried about how he's going to feel about that. Like obviously, he seems like a guy who is insulted when you give him help over the top on on a receiver. But I'll just say this. If the Eagles do not give Darius Slay extra help on Sunday, the same thing that happened on Monday night is going to happen again. If you don't think that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were watching the film of what happened on Monday night and aren't salivating at the idea of man coverage of Devontae Adams on Darius Slay, you're crazy. Because, um, you know, Darius Slay is a fine corner. He's a good corner. He's a solid NFL corner. He is far from a lockdown, shutdown, I'm going to take away a number one receiver type guy. He's not Jalen Ramsey. He's not like Patrick Peterson in his prime. He's not one of these guys. He's just not. And if the Eagles do not help him on Sunday afternoon in Green Bay, it's going to be even uglier than it was on Monday night. Because... Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing at an extremely high level right now. The Packers' uh, offense is moving at an extremely high clip right now. And Darius Slay's not as good as Darius Slay thinks he is. And if I'm Jim Schwartz, I don't give a damn if you want help or not. You're getting help. Because if the Eagles play Darius Slay on Devontae Adams man-to-man, Devontae Adams might have a bigger day than DK Metcalf had on Monday Night Football. And um, the Eagles better address that, or else it's going to be really ugly. Not just on the offense. We already know it's going to be ugly on the offensive side of the ball. But it'll get really ugly on the defensive side of the ball as well if the Eagles refuse to give Darius Slay help. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, I do want to um get into a little basketball stuff. We've been talking to Eagles all night, uh, but I want to play this Paul George cut talking about uh, Doc Rivers 
from last year. And also, um, Jackie McMullen, one of the uh, top NBA reporters, uh, with some of her knowledge of the Sixers, and uh, one Sixer who she feels is in line for a big, big year. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple segments here. Um, In the next segment, um, Mike and I will go through the games before uh, we get out of here and do our Week 13 predictions. I always like to do that, and I'll be off the next few days as I'm dealing with this move, which is a pain in the the ass. Um, Moving with a pregnant wife during a pandemic is not a very enjoyable experience. I'll just... I'll just say that. Um, so I'll be back on uh, Monday night, um, but uh, we'll we'll do the picks in the next segment here, and I'll give you my pick for the Eagles and Packers game uh, coming up. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. In a minute, I want to play some sound from uh, Paul George on uh, how he felt he was misused last year in Los Angeles. First, let's go to Eric in Middletown. What's up, Eric? Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. And my, my issue with the Eagles, it all comes down to coaching, in my opinion. We have players that stink here, leave, and become better within five games. We have players come here that are great and are horrible within five games. Does the assistant coaches follow the lead of the head coach and what the head coach wants? Because we've been through three or four wide receiver coaches, and absolutely nothing changes which absolutely points to Doug Peterson. Uh, I mean, you can say that. I also think, you know, the talent evaluations aren't very good either. Like, you look at the talent, you know, when you draft a guy like Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, I think that has quite an impact on it. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, who came up with this little saying, J-Jaw? That guy has no business having a nickname. They don't, I mean that that's just nobody likes to type type out Arthega Whiteside, so they just put yeah. J Jaw, yeah. I mean Howie's draft picks are so bad. This team is going nowhere. But Eric, he had he had if you remember, he really had great hustle on that in that Baltimore game when Miles oh, Sanders yeah. fumbled. He recovered that fumble in the end zone. That was a big game. Yeah, and a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while too, right? Right. Get out. Yeah. Oh. That's all I so, got. Have a good night. No, I got you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. And yeah, I mean, you look at it, you look at it, and and that that's the the receiver thing. I don't understand how an organization can be so bad at judging one position. It's 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 year after year after year, and it's not like they're not making high picks at this spot. Every year, seemingly, they're using a first or second round pick on a receiver, and they can never get it right. They can never get it right. Uh, Justin Jefferson sitting right there for them, and they take Rager. Um, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin are right there for them, and they take Arthega Whiteside. They just can't get out of their own way. And <laughs> this is going a while back, and this wasn't looked at as egregious at the time, but the guy they're seeing on Sunday, Devontae Adams, was there for them in 2014 in the second round. And the Eagles took Jordan Matthews, who is now out of the NFL, I believe. I don't, I don't think he's got a job right now. Um, Mike, I guess he could look that up. He, if he's not with the Eagles, I, I'm sure he's not 
in the NFL. He's been with the Eagles several times over the last. I years. thought he was with San Francisco last. He got cut. He, I think he got cut. I'm pretty sure. I think he was in. Maybe he was with them for the Super Bowl, but he was inactive. He was not active for that game, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's completely out of the NFL now. No, I'm right. He just signed with San Francisco last week. Oh, okay. There you go. But their receiver position was like all wiped out due to the COVID uh, issue. So he'll probably get cut next week. And then may, who knows? Maybe we'll be back here. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, but I want to get to this uh, basketball thing real quick. We've been talking a lot of Eagles tonight, so we'll switch it up for a few minutes. But um, I saw this clip uh, of Paul George on Wednesday. And Paul George has... I would say uh, not a great reputation, especially for his playoff performances. And it's pretty funny that he he dubbed... It was really the minute he dubbed himself Playoff P that this happened, right, Mike? Because he actually did have a decent playoffs back when he was with the Pacers. That series against the Heat when they pushed that seven games. Yeah, I got to be honest. I didn't know when the Playoff P thing started. It just was one of those things that I, I noticed it was happening and I didn't... Right, I didn't get it. Like, why is he playoff pay? Well, I, he he started calling himself that. That's how it happened. And then, ever since then, his playoff performances have been dreadful. And last year, you know, in the bubble, the Clippers obviously had that embarrassing sequence where they were up three one against Denver. Then they were up like seventeen in consecutive games and couldn't win. And then everybody still thought they were going to win Game Seven. I did as well. And they end up losing Game Seven. Um, and you know, I thought in the off season, the Clippers would look to trade Paul George. That's what I would have done if I was them. Um, I would have looked to trade Paul George, see what you could get, and kind of build with Kawhi Leonard and whatever else you get in return. You, you can't trade him a year after you just traded like the biggest draft haul, draft pick haul in NBA history to get him. Yeah, if you could get a, a star that fits better back, sure you could. Sure you could. Um, but instead, they opted to, to to scapegoat Doc Rivers and fire him, which, hey, I'm fine with because it ended up all working out pretty well for the Sixers. Uh, but Paul George apparently thinks his failures last year weren't really his fault, but more on Doc. Here was Paul George. This is on the All the Smoke podcast with uh, Matt Barnes and uh, Steven Jackson on what went wrong last year in Los Angeles. You know, the way I was being used, I felt like I was, you know, Doc was trying to play me as like a, a Ray Allen or like a J.J. Redding, mm-hmm. like all pin downs, all like, I can do it, but that ain't my game, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I need some flow. I need some mixes of, of pick and rolls. I need some post-ups. All that. Just different touches, you know what I mean? And so it, it, it was just, you know, that last season was just hard uh, overall. So I guess the question would be, uh, if Doc misused Paul George, as he claims, are you worried about, him misusing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I mean, my answer would be no. I think in general, this is a better fit for Doc Rivers. Like, Doc Rivers, I think, works better with a younger team than than older guys. Uh, and I know, I know he won his championship in Boston with, with veterans. But at this point in his career, I think he's more of a respected voice especially for younger players. And he's a guy who'll come in and he'll coach Joel Embiid and he'll coach Ben Simmons hard and I think will get the most out of them. And I'm excited to see what this team looks like here as they get started um, in in under three weeks. And, um, you know, a lot of the questions have been 
Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and this dates back to last year, and whether they can play together. And I have always thought, unquestionably, the answer is yes. I think the problems are what's around them. And I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast about a week ago, and his guest was Jackie McMullen, who I enjoy listen, listening to talking about the NBA uh, as much as anyone. She really knows her stuff and is really plugged in um, in the league. And here was Jackie. Oh, Doris? Mc- She's way better than Doris. But here's Jackie McMullen on uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and how well uh, they actually do work together uh, as opposed to what's commonly said. So, like, everybody always says that, and I, it's to me, it's so short-sighted, that Embiid and Simmons can't play together. I mean, that, that just isn't true. Two years ago, we have all the, the defensive metrics that tell us the numbers with them on together and off together. It was like a differential of like 15 points or something crazy like that. Why? Because, well, Jimmy Butler helped a tremendous amount, but because they had J.J. Redick, too. They had shooters around him. And so you bring Seth Curry and you have a, you have a shooter around him. You know, it makes a difference. This assume- idea that they can't play together to me, it just, I don't believe that. I just don't. And I've I've always thought the same thing. Like I was uh, intrigued by the idea of going out and getting James Harden, but I I I was scared of giving up on Ben Simmons. And I still think this team can work with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I still think they can they can function at a high level, and be eventually a championship contender. Whether they can be a championship contender this year or not, I'm not sure about. And that's largely going to hinge on, obviously, those two guys, but more Embiid than anything else. Because, you know, we we I think you kind of know what you're going to get from Ben Simmons if he's healthy, and hopefully he is. Hopefully he's ready to go in a couple weeks uh, following his knee surgery. But... Joel Embiid, we are still waiting for that real breakout year. We're still waiting for that year where he really takes control and becomes a true MVP candidate-type player. And um, Jackie McMullen thinks that's going to happen this year. Here she was on Ben Simmons making an All-NBA team and Joel Embiid being motivated by not. So, but didn't you think it was kind of sneaky cool that he did make All NBA? Like he he snuck onto yeah, the third All NBA team. Yeah, I did too. And 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 Joel B did not. By the way, Joel B did not make. Well, listen, he, Joel B is at a reckoning, we, and we, everyone he's like ready, us, man. I'm telling you, I'm talking to everybody around him. Like he's gonna have a big year. I'm predicting. This he right needs now to have your, his shack in 1999. He's gonna have it. Right? He's gonna have it. I really think he is because I think Doc's the perfect fit for him. He knows how to stroke him and kick him in the rear end at the same time, and and I do think that people have underestimated how often Joel Embiid has played hurt. And I think he's going to get in great shape. I, I, I might be wrong, but that's my prediction. I think he's going to have a really big year. I think he's mad that he wasn't an All-NBA He hasn't said that to me. I haven't talked to him. Yeah. I'm not reporting. I'm not aggregating anything. This is just my, I'm, I'm making a supposition if I can. And I think he's motivated. And I think, you know, it's so funny with because he, he's so similar to Shaq. I, they remind me so much of each other because when they do great, you know, it's great when they're not doing well. Well, they're not fo- focusing enough on basketball. They're focusing, focusing too much on other things. They don't when, take it uh, seriously enough. They don't take it seriously enough. And then, then he cries when they lose on that bouncing shot by um, Kawhi Leonard 
couple of years back. And everyone's like, well, why is he crying? He's such a baby. Well, make up your mind. Do you, do you think he cares too much or not enough? Like, it's just when you're bigger in life, like the, those guys, you are under a different microscope than almost everybody else, including Ben Simmons. It has to be this year. He I gets, think it's going to be. He's I, getting, I really, gets older I think it's every year. It has to be this year. He also... I, he, that, sorry, that was that was actually a poor editing job by me at the end of that clip. So you can rip that, rip me for that, Mike. I, uh, I'll always rip you when you edit poorly. That was that, I, put, I usually edit perfectly. You, you usually there are a couple times where you screw it up, but I, I screwed that one up. So that was that was my fault. But um, yeah, I mean, I hope Joel Embiid has that kind of year. We've heard this before uh, that he's going to be healthy. He's in the best shape of his career. Um, this is going to be the year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I hope she's right. Um, but again, you know, it's hard to get too excited when we have heard this several times, uh, in, in the past, but, um, I'm excited for this team and just a few weeks away, which is kind of crazy because it feels like the last season, uh, just ended, uh, two, one, five, five, nine, two, nine, four, nine, four. When we get back, uh, Mike and I will go through the week 13 NFL slate. And then I will give you my prediction for Eagles Packers on Sunday afternoon. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 